0: well if we could for a short while this evening with the Lord's help and the Lord's enabling if we could turn back to that psalm which we read psalm 107 psalm 107 and we'll just read again in verse 1 the first three verses where the psalmist says O oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble, and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And so on. Out of all the books in the Bible, uh, the book of Revelation is one book of the Bible which always causes a lot of intrigue uh, because there's, I suppose you could say there's a, there's a great element of mystery to it. Uh, of course, the Revelation was a revelation which was given by uh, the Apostle John. And John was given the Revelation whilst he was on the Greek island of Patmos. He was been, he had been exiled there uh, for preaching the gospel and John tells us that on one particular Lord's Day he received a revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ and as you know the revelation it contained in it, it uh, messages to uh, the seven churches of Asia it also contained many things to do with the end times but it also contained a vision of heaven In which John saw into heaven. He saw into the throne room of heaven. And the Lamb of God seated upon the throne. And John said that on each side of the throne. uh, There were four living creatures. And surrounding the throne of God. There were 24 elders. uh, Clothed in white garments. With crowns on their heads. And John says that these 24 elders, they fell down before the Lamb of God, seated upon the throne, and they worshipped him. But then John says about his revelation, that he saw standing before the throne and before the Lamb, a great multitude that no man could number. And this multitude, as he says, was clothed in white robes, and they had gathered from every nation, every tribe, every people And every language. And as they stood before the throne he says that they were worshipping, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. But you know, I love that occasion, it's in Revelation chapter seven, when we're told that one of the twenty-four elders, he asked John a question about this multitude in heaven, where he said, Who are these? clothed in white robes and where have they come from and John said to him sir you know and then we hear this elder confessing to John he says well these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation and they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb they are the Lord's redeemed and they've been redeemed by the precious Blood of the Lamb who sits upon the throne. And it's then that the elder says to John, That's why they are before the throne of God. And that's why they serve him day and night in his temple. Because the Lamb who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. And they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. And he says, for the lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Who are these clothed in white robes and where have they come from? They are the Lord's redeemed. And you know, that's the question I'd like us to ask this evening. As we consider the words of Psalm 107. Who are these? Clothed in white garments. And where have they come from? Because Psalm 107. Answers that question. That those who are standing in glory tonight. And those. Of the Lord's people who will stand. In glory. They are the Lord's redeemed. And they have been redeemed, as Peter says, not with the corruptible riches of this life, but the incorruptible and undefiled and unfading blood of the Lamb. And what we are being reminded in Psalm 107 is that the redeemed in glory will be a great multitude that no man can number. And they will be gathered, as it says, from all points on the compass. They will be gathered from all the lands, from north, south, east, and west. And this in-gathering, it will be a multi-ethnic in-gathering, in which they will be brought from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And that's because that was the great covenant of grace, which was promised to Abraham, that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. That was the covenant promise. That was the longing of the psalmist in Psalm 100. Which we were just singing. In which he longed to see all people that on earth do dwell. Sing to the Lord with cheerful voice. He longed to see the ingathering of the Lord's redeemed. And so you can see why the psalmist here in Psalm 107. You can see why he opens with the words. Oh give thanks to the Lord. For he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever or as we have it in our metrical rendering praise God for he is good for still his mercies lasting be my friend we are to praise God tonight that there is a redeemed at all and we are to thank him that we are part of that great multitude because the psalmist is reminding us here that all of the Lord's people or all of the Lord's redeemed they have been freed from the hand of the enemy. And they've been washed and made white in the blood of the Lamb. And this is all because the Lord, as, it's, as he says here, he has demonstrated his steadfast, unfailing, unchanging covenant love towards us in the person of Jesus Christ. And because of this, the psalmist says, as he says in verse 2, let the redeemed of the Lord Say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story of how they have been clothed in the white robes and where they have come from. Who are these? asked the elder. Who are these clothed in white garments? Where have they come from? And the psalm is telling us how they have been clothed and who they are. And where they have come from. And that's what Psalm 107 is all about. It contains the testimonies. Of the Lord's redeemed. And what Psalm 107 emphasizes to us. Is that the Lord's redeemed. Have been gathered in. From all different uh, directions. All different backgrounds. All different upbringings. And all the different walks of life. And yet what they all have in common. Is that they have been washed. And made white in the blood of the Lamb. And as we walk through this psalm, we will hear four different testimonies. And yet each one of them tes- testifies to the kind of person the Lord redeems. The kind of person the Lord redeems. And so what we see first of all, the first testimony, is that the kind of person the Lord redeems is the person in pleasure. The person in pleasure. Pleasure. If you read with me at verse 4, this is the first testimony. Verses 4 to 9. It says, Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted within them. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And so with each testimony of the Lord's redeemed, there is this, as you can see, there's this beautiful structure that emerges. There's there's repetition, there's words and phrases that are uh, repeated throughout the psalm in order to highlight this progression from sin to salvation. And the structure, I suppose, just to make it we wee bit easier to follow, you could put it very, very simply. Uh, there's the problem, the petition, and then praise. Problem, petition, and praise. Problem, petition, and praise. And so the testimony of the Persian in pleasure begins with the problem. He says the problem. Some wandered in desert wastes, finding no way to a city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted. Within them. He says, some. That first word, some, it's repeated at the beginning of every testimony. It's repeated, you find in verse 4, verse 10, verse 17, verse 23. Some. And it describes the experience of some of the Lord's people. It's not the experience of all of them, but it's the experience of some of the Lord's redeemed. (laughs) <laughs> and the problem for the Persian in pleasure is, as he says, is that they are wandering in wasteland. They're seeking the pleasures of this world, but finding no satisfaction. They have no rest. They have no city to dwell in. They're, they're lacking because they're hungry and they're thirsty. They're finding nothing to satisfy their needs and the desire of their soul. And the problem for the person in pleasure Is that they're like. You could say the prodigal. They have left the father's house. In exchange for prodigal and and reckless living. And they're feasting upon. uh, The pleasures of the world. And all that it has to offer. But what every prodigal soon realizes. Is that the world. Promises so much. But produces so little. Because. These things don't satisfy. They don't bring fulfilment. They don't bring that through lasting happiness. And the result is that, is that their soul faints within them. They come to their senses. They reach this end point in which they have to do as every prodigal has done in the past. They have to cry to the Lord. And so the problem, it leads to the petition. In verse 6, it says, and this verse is repeated throughout the psalm. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He led them by a straight way till they reached a city to dwell in. The moment of commitment and change in the life of one of the Lord's redeemed is when they cry to the Lord. And they cry to the Lord because they've reached the end of themselves. They've come to the end of themselves. They cry to the Lord because they see that there is nowhere else to go. They say with Peter, to whom else can we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. My friend, the Persian in pleasure cries to the Lord because they know that the pleasures of this world will not bring the satisfaction that they're seeking. And by crying to the Lord, the, the Persian in Pleasure realises that the Lord alone can provide that lasting satisfaction. The Lord alone will lead them away from the broad road to the narrow gate and onto the narrow path. He will lead them, as it says, in a straight way in which there are boundaries. But the boundaries, they're not there for persecution. They're there for protection. They're not in place to make us feel that we're losing out. But they're in place to make us realize that we're loved. And the response to such love, as he says, is praise. So there's a problem, petition, praise. He says in verse 8, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of man. For he satisfies the longing soul and the hungry soul he fills with good things. And so as those who are the Lord's redeemed, if we are the passion and pleasure, then we are to thank the Lord for his steadfast, his covenant love and his wondrous works to the children of Adam. That he has brought us out of Adam and into Christ. That's what the word children of man means. The children of Adam, descendants of Adam, brought out of Adam into Christ. And in doing so, he has satisfied the longings of our soul and filled our mouths with good things. And you know, was that not the promise of of Jesus to the woman he met at Jacob's well? The woman of Samaria. Because, as you know, she had sought pleasure and satisfaction in many things. But... Primarily in men. And everyone knew that she had had five husbands. And the one that she was with wasn't her husband. And Jesus says to her. Whoever drinks from this well. Well they will thirst again. But whosoever drinks of the water that I shall give him. Shall never thirst. And the water that I shall give him. Shall be in him a well of water. Springing up to eternal life. And this is the wonder of the Lord's redeem. That Jesus promises to the person seeking the pleasures of this world that at his right hand in glory, as it says in Psalm 16, there are pleasures, greater pleasures, even greater pleasures forevermore. And so the kind of person the Lord redeems is the person in pleasure. But secondly, the kind of person the Lord redeems is the person in prison. The Persian in prison. Look at verse 10. Some sat in darkness and in the shadow of death. Prisoners in affliction and in irons. For they had rebelled against the words of God. And spurned the counsel of the Most High. And so we're going to do the problem petition and praise. But we're told first of all that the problem for the person in prison is that they are in bondage. And what's interesting is that the imagery which the psalmist is using here. Is the imagery of exile. Because, of, because one of the punishments which God inflicted upon his people. Because of their rebellion. Was exile and imprisonment in a foreign land. And that's what we see throughout the Bible. In which the testimony of the Lord's redeemed. Is that they were. Once in prison. We were in darkness, in the shadow of death. We were in exile uh, because of our rebellion and sin. And you know, that was the experience of our first parents, Adam and Eve. They were created in God's image and in God's likeness. They were created to glorify and to enjoy God. They were created uh, to live for him and to worship him. But when Adam fell from that perfect estate wherein he was created... He did, as the psalmist says here, he rebelled against the word of God. Do not eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, for in the day that you eat thereof you shall surely die. He rebelled against God's word. He spurned the counsel of the Most High. And as a result, Adam and Eve, they were sent out of the garden. They were, God sent them out because of their rebellion and sin. They were exiled and driven out The garden and God set an angel with a flaming sword to guard the way to the tree of life. God closed the door and he imprisoned mankind in a world of darkness (coughs) and a world that was overshadowed by death. And the same was true for the children of Israel, they were prisoners in Egypt and in Babylon. In the foreign land of Egypt, they were prisoners in affliction, as it says here, and in irons and hard labor. They were oppressed by Pharaoh. As we hear so often, he would not let the people go. The Pharaoh was a tyrant who ruled with a rod of iron. And the same was true of Babylon. The people of Israel, they had been exiled because of their rebellion against God's word. They had ignored the prophets. They refused to repent and turn from their sin. They continued to worship idols and false gods and bow down to them. And so the Lord drove them out. Drove them out of the promised land. Sent them into exile. And under the bondage of and the rule of the Babylonian king, Nebuchadnezzar. And the Lord's people, they remained in their prison of slavery and exile. Whether it was in Egypt or in Babylon, or in Adam, they remained there until their problem became a petition. It became a petition. So it says in verse 13 Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and He delivered them from their distress. He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death, and burst their bonds apart. When the person in prison or in exile or in bondage, when they cried to the Lord, the Lord delivered them from the hand of their enemy. And the word delivered, it's the same word as saved or redeemed or rescued or salvation because that's what it means to experience salvation. It's to be delivered from the bondage and slavery of sin. It's to be redeemed and set free by the payment of, Of the ransom price. It's to be saved and rescued from uh, the darkness. And the shadow of death. And the shackles of sin. My friend this is why we we are called. Named. As the Lord's redeemed. Because we've been saved. We've been rescued. Redeemed. Delivered. We've been delivered by the one they call salvation. Do I know what the angel said? Call his name Jesus why call him salvation for he shall save his people from their sins he will deliver his people from their sins he will redeem his people from their sins my friend we are the Lord's redeemed we're not our own we've been bought we've been delivered from being in Adam we've been saved from sin we've been we have experienced salvation we have been redeemed at a cost and what a cost it was and we must never lose sight of that that it cost the lamb of god his own life in order to redeem us and gather us to himself and in hearing our petition it's no wonder the psalmist urges us to respond in praise. Problem, petition, praise. He says, Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man, for he shatters the doors of bronze and cuts in two the bars of iron. In his hymn, uh, the hymn. And can it be that I should gain? Uh, Charles Wesley, he wrote about, just about this, the wonder of redemption in and through Jesus Christ. Uh, but one, in one particular verse of that hymn, Charles Wesley wrote from his own experience of being a sinner in bondage and in exile. And the verse describes so beautifully the kind of person the Lord redeems. Because the Lord redeems the person in prison. And Charles Wesley, he says that that's the kind of person he was. Because he wrote, long my imprisoned spirit lay. Fast bowed in sin and nature's night. Thine eye diffused a quickening ray. I woke the dungeon flamed with light. My chains fell off. My heart was free. I rose, went forth. And followed thee. And we're left, you know, we are left saying with that elder in John's vision, who are these clothed in white robes? Where have they come from? My friend, they are the Lord's redeemed. They are the Lord's redeemed. And the kind of person the Lord redeems is the person in pleasure, the person in prison. And thirdly, the kind of person the Lord redeems is the person in pain. The person in pain. If you look at verse 17, this is the next testimony. It begins, some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food and they drew near to the gates of death. The psalmist says in these verses that the problem for some people, uh, because they are the Lord's redeemed, is that they are in pain. The problem before they were redeemed is that they were in pain. And they're in pain and suffering affliction because of, as he says, their sinful ways. Their sinful actions have brought suffering and sadness into their home and into their family. But what the psalmist is making clear is that their pain It's self-inflicted. And the more they continue in their self-inflicted pain, the closer they are to death. And there is a a modern equivalent of what he's saying here, that in the communities we live in, the island that we're part of, the families that we belong to, we are well aware of the self-inflicted pain there is upon homes. And families. There is so much hurt and heartache and heaviness because of alcohol addiction, of drug addiction, gambling addiction and sad to say I'm sure that we all have someone in our family who is addicted to something that is destroying their life and the lives of those around them because that's what it does. It destroys homes, it tears apart marriages, it severs relationships, it breaks promises and it leaves a trail of heartache. But what the psalmist is reminding us is that these people are able to be redeemed. They're not outcasts, they're not cut off, they're not beyond hope and what he's saying is they're certainly not beyond redemption. Uh, What is often so difficult in these situations is that uh, they can't see their own problem. But when they do see the problem, they will make the petition. As it says here, Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them, and delivered them from their destruction. The psalmist says to us that it's the word alone that will bring healing. Yes, we know that there are many helps. Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, Gamblers Anonymous. They help those in need and they do a wonderful job. And help many people with broken lives and broken experiences. But what this psalm makes clear is that it's the word of God which brings true lasting and eternal healing. It's the word of God which is sent out. It's sent out to those in trouble and distress in order to draw them in, to bring them in and deliver them from their destruction. I remember being told the story about a painter and decorator a few years ago. He was an alcoholic for many years and as you can imagine his addiction was affecting everyone in his family. He was still managing to work and to hold down a job but his alcoholism was becoming progressively worse. However one Sunday evening uh, he went to church out of habit as he always did. Uh, During the service the congregation sang from Psalm 34 and as the congregation sang those words The Lord sent out his word to bring him in. And he sent out those words, the words of Psalm 34, into that man's heart. And the words which affected him and spoke to him so clearly were the words of Psalm 34, verse 6. This poor man cried. God heard and saved him from all his distresses. And those words, they were like a balm to his soul because they healed him, they enabled him to turn away from his alcoholism and turn to the Lord for help. And the words of Psalm 34, they were so significant to this painter that he would often write them on a wall uh, when he was working in a house before covering it up with wallpaper. And it said that when this man was in a particular house 20 years later, he was stripping the same wall, taking the wallpaper off and he saw the words that he had written 20 years earlier. This poor man cried. God heard and saved him from his dis- all his distresses. And in, it was in reading those words that it caused him to do as the psalmist is encouraging us here to do, to praise the Lord. <clears throat> to praise the Lord, the problem, the petition And then the praise comes, verse 31, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man and let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. My friend, as the Lord's redeemed, we have a lot to be thankful for. We have good reasons to praise the Lord tonight. Because the kind of person the Lord redeems is the person in pleasure, the person in prison, the person in pain, and lastly, the kind of person the Lord redeems is the person in power. The person in power. We look at verse twenty-three. This is the last testimony. It says, "Some went down into the sea, down to the sea in ships, doing business in the great waters." They saw the deeds of the Lord, his wondrous works in the deep. For he commanded and raised the st- stormy wind, which lifted up the waves of the sea. They mounted up to the heaven. They went down to the depths. Their courage melted away in their evil plight. They reeled and staggered like drunken men and were at their wits end. So the problem for the Persian in power, which the psalmist draws attention to, the problem is their wealth. Because the person who owned a ship and did business by trading cargo on the open sea, that person, as you would expect, was wealthy. And because of their wealth and status, they had power. But their wealth, status and power was a problem. Because like it does with a lot of people, it gives them a false sense of security where they think that they have power over their own lives and that they have enough money to live forever and that they're loved by everyone around them. But as the psalmist reminds us, you could say, pardon the pun, life isn't always plain sailing. Because when the Lord brings storms into our lives and commands uh, the winds and the waves to beat against our ship, a ship which we sometimes think is like the the Titanic unsinkable, and yet when our storm becomes so severe that our ship seems like this little bottle floating about in the sea bobbing about uncontrollably, mounting to the heavens as he says and then going down into the depths when we are brought to our wits end, we're made to realise that there is much more to life than wealth, status and power and the wonder of it all Is that in the storm. The Lord reveals himself. And very quickly the problem. For the person in power. Becomes a petition. For peace. Problem. Petition. The same petition as as the other three. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble. And he delivered them from their distress. He made the storm be still. And the waves of the sea were hushed. Then they were glad that the waters were quiet and he brought them to their desired haven. And you know when you read these words you know you can't help but think of uh, the occasion when Jesus and the disciples they were battling the storm in their boat. They were on the Sea of Galilee and the wind had risen up and the waves were pounding against their little boat carrying them. But, as it says in the passage, Jesus was nowhere to be found. He was asleep in the stern of the ship. And you'll remember how the disciples, they went up to Jesus and they started trying to wake him, saying, Master, do you not care that we're perishing? And we're told that Jesus awoke and he rebuked the wind and he said to the waves, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was this great calm. And then Jesus says to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? But the disciples, they're filled with fear and they say to one another, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? And you know, what's remarkable is that it was in the storm that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. And for some of us, in our experience, it took a storm in our life for us to cry out to Jesus it took a storm in our life for us to look to Jesus and ask him for help it took a storm in our life for us to see the emptiness of clinging to wealth or to status or to power and to humbly ask Jesus do you care about me do you care about me And for those of us who were redeemed through the storm, although it wasn't wasn't pleasant at the time, maybe you can look back and say, well, the Lord meant it for good. And our response is like the response of all of the Lord's redeemed. The response of praise. Problem, petition, praise. Let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love. For his wondrous works to the children of man. Let them extol him in the congregation of the people. And praise him in the assembly of the elders. We didn't read the closing verses of this psalm. But in the closing verses of the psalm. It reiterates all the blessings which the Lord's redeemed receive. I don't want to go into them in detail because, well, we don't have time. But they emphasize the reversal of fortune in which the person in pleasure who finds no satisfaction in the world, they're satisfied in the Lord. The person in prison, enslaved to sin, they're set free by the Lord. The person in pain, who's self-inflicting that pain, they're healed and restored by the Lord. The person in power who encounters the storm of their life and they experience peace because of the Lord. It's a reversal of fortune. And that's why the gospel message is a message of good news. It's a message of good news to broken lives and broken people because it promises a reversal of fortune. It promises To go from lost to found. From darkness to light. From slavery to freedom. From filthiness to to being cleansed. From rejected to accepted. From hated to loved. From outcasts to children. From damned to saved. From cursed to blessed. From death to life. From sinner to saint. From hell to heaven. From hell to heaven. That's the wonder of this. That's the wonder of what it is to be the Lord's redeemed. And that's what I want to end this evening. From hell to heaven. I want us to end in the place that we began. With John's revelation of heaven. The throne room of God and of the Lamb. Because you know we often sing. uh, The (coughs) words of verses 29 and 30 at a funeral. Of one of the Lord's redeemed. And they're a reminder to us. That it's through much tribulation. That the Lord's redeemed. Will enter the kingdom of heaven. And in this life. Well we know there are many storms. Many many storms. But the promise at death. Is as the psalmist says. (laughs) The storm is changed into a calm. At his command and will. So that the waves which raged before now quiet are and still. Then are they glad because at rest and quiet now they be. So to the haven he them brings which they desired to see. He then brings. He brings them. The Lamb of God who's in the midst of the throne. Who has redeemed these people by his precious blood. He gathers his own people in. And he gathers them, as we were seeing, from all the lands, from north, south, east and west. He brings them in to their desired haven. And their desired haven, our desired haven, is to stand in the throne room of heaven, worshipping the Lamb, along with a multitude which no man can number, Because this multitude, he says, will be gathered from every nation, tribe, people, and language. And they are all those who have come out of the great tribulation. And they're all there, and they've washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. My friend, we are the Lord's redeemed. We are the Lord's (laughs) redeemed. And we have the promise tonight although it may seem so far removed from us we have the promise that we will stand before him in glory and before the throne of God and as the promise is in in Revelation 7 we will serve him day and night in his temple because the lamb who sits on the throne will shelter us with his presence and we shall hunger no more neither thirst any more, the sun shall not strike us, nor any scorching heap, because the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be our shepherd. He will guide us to springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear (coughs) from our eyes. We were saying that in Life Explored last night. God will wipe every tear away which implies that we enter heaven with tears in our eyes, having come out of the great tribulation, this life, the great tribulation, full of tears, full of sadness, full of sorrow. But on entering, he will wipe away every tear from our eyes. My friend, what shall we say to these things? Except as the psalmist urges us to do, praise God, for he is good, for still his mercies lasting be. May the Lord bless these thoughts to us. Let us pray. O Lord, our gracious God, When we stand before thy word, we realize that we are so undeserving of all the promises that are contained within it. But we thank thee, O Lord, that these promises have been sealed to us, sealed in and through thy Son, Jesus, granted by thy Spirit. And Lord, help us to lay hold of them. Help us to believe them by faith. Help us, Lord, to live every day knowing that as thy word says, that we have an inheritance awaiting us, an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, that fadeth not away, that is reserved in heaven for us. And help us then, we pray, in this life, a life full of tribulation, a life full of sadness and sorrow, of pain and heartache. Help us to keep looking to Jesus. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon him. For how often, Lord, our eyes drift. How often our eyes look down. But help us to keep looking up. Help us to keep doing as the psalmist is encouraging us tonight. To praise God, for he is good. For still his mercies lasting be. Oh, do us good, we pray. Keep us on the journey. Keep us, Lord, for we know that, oh, we cannot keep ourselves. But we ask to be kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed on the day of glory. Go before us then, we pray. Part us with thy blessing, for we ask it in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. We shall conclude by singing the words of that psalm. Psalm 107, from the beginning. Down to the verse marked 8. Psalm 107. <clears throat> Praise God, for he is good, for still his mercies lasting be. Let God's redeemed say so, whom he from the enemy's hand did free, and gathered them out of the lands from north, south, east, and west. They strayed in desert's pathless way, no city found to rest. Down to the verse marked 8 of Psalm 107, to God's praise.
1: praise God for
0: fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all, now and forevermore.